study Deuteronomy 3. And, um, well, Deuteronomy, but specifically tonight, chapter 3. We have the record in Deuteronomy 3 of the victory over the enemy with, with the um, view to more trouble and more victory. Okay? Are you with me? They had victories on the other side of the Jordan, and they had the view that they were going to cross over into the promised land, and they were going to destroy the enemy that was living in the promised land, and they were going to take their territory. Now, in one way of looking at the book of Revelation, and which is the right way, no, I, I don't know about that, but one way at looking at the book of Revelation is from a viewpoint that this is a record of things yet to come. The future, right? The futurist view of the book of Revelation. Meaning, it's prophecy. And it's prophecy written down in the Bible that, again, then we believe by faith, declares what is yet to come. Now, I really want to, Revelation 1-3, and if you're there, look at that verse. As Raul Reese would say, Revelations. In the book of Revelations. All right? Revelation 1 3. It says, Well, I'm going to read 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which were written in it, for the time is near. When we study Revelation and why this works with Deuteronomy, and I've entitled the study tonight in Deuteronomy, Kingdom Words. Kingdom Words. Where in the book of Revelation is the record of the beginning of the kingdom of Jesus Christ here on the earth? Where's the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation? Do, 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 you know? Do, 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 you know the Jeopardy music? That was double Jeopardy. No, that was final Jeopardy music, wasn't it? That was final Jeopardy. Revelation 20. Did you have it, Tally? You got it right. Oh, the, the, oh that was close. Revelation 20. Now, why am I saying this tonight? Okay, If we understand Moses on that side of the Jordan... Looking into the promised land, he sees the things to come. We are here now in the promise and prophecy of Jesus, of the second coming of Jesus Christ. We are waiting. We are waiting for him to come. And the book of Revelation has shown us the things that are to come. Now, Why I say that is the words that Moses shares with Israel before they go into the promised land God gave us revelation so we could see the things that are coming. How important is the word of God for the days that are yet coming? 
Now, the, the things and the trouble that's going in the world, it's going to happen. Jesus comes back in Revelation 19, riding on a white horse, destroying the armies of the world that have gathered together to fight against him, and something wonderful happens, and it's recorded in Revelation 20, verse 4. Okay. Well, let's, well, this is good. Let, let's hear the end of Satan. I think that's good in, in Revelation 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having a, a, the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw the thrones and they that sat on them, judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of them who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads and on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now, we'll just that's enough for tonight that we need to put this study together. And here's what I share with you. Uh, titling Deuteronomy 3, Kingdom Words. The elements of the kingdom of God, right? If you, if you understand this, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, when we have believed and received the gospel of Jesus Christ, an entrance is ministered unto us into the everlasting kingdom of God. Now, when we study, right, we study what happened for Israel, in the wilderness, it has a great effect for our understanding concerning our life in Christ to put off the flesh and to, to follow Jesus Christ. And there is an entrance mentioned in Scripture into the inheritance promised unto the children of Israel. And, and it, you can do this sometime, and I encourage you to do it. Read the book of Joshua at the same time you read Revelation. And take those two books, and you you can have fun with it if you want. There's 24 chapters in the book of Joshua. There's 22 in in the book of Revelation, and you can lay chapter upon chapter for most of the the uh, the record. But what I what I'm getting at for us tonight is this most wonderful truth: as we are in the world right now, and the trouble that's in the world, and the division that's coming into the world. And it doesn't take very long to look at the things going on in the world that the world is creating creating division between a place where there no there was not division before, and now there's a division happening over the lines. And they're they're using clever terms, but it's this those that will conform to the world, those that do not conform to the world. Now, what's our charge? Our charge is to go into the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel. Our commission is to go and teach all who would believe and receive Jesus Christ, follow him, follow the teachings of Jesus, and wait for him from heaven. He, uh, wait for him who's coming from heaven, and in his second coming, he is going to set up his kingdom. Right? If you die in Christ, Along the way, while you're waiting, you have this most wonderful promise. You're with him. 
You put this tent off, you get the mansion in heaven, the new body, you're with him. We have another wonderful promise. As you watch, wait, and serve, again, the promise is when the time comes, when God says go to his son, he's going to snatch up his church. He's going to catch away the bride of Christ who's alive and remains at the coming of the Lord. When he appears in the air, it's a most wonderful promise. You can continue on in faith, and my encouragement to you today will be the same kingdom words that Moses shares with the children of Israel. Now, the view, the view to the future for me, yes, it's going to be troubling. I I really believe Jesus meant it when he said, in this world you will have trouble, you'll have tribulation. And then he goes and says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John, the apostle John writes, what is, it, what is it that has overcome this world? Even our faith. So Deuteronomy 3, verse 1. Then we turned and went up the way to Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edrei. And the Lord said unto me, Fear him not, for I will deliver him and all his people and his land into thy hand, And thou shalt do unto him as thou did unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. Now, we're actually continuing right out of Deuteronomy 2, the record of what has already happened. Moses is speaking these words. Remember Deuteronomy, the title in Hebrew? Deborim. (coughs) Sam, can you get me some water, please? Deborim. So this title of the words that are spoken... Now, notice, he, as he is saying this, he's reminding them. When they faced Og and the, and the kingdom right of Bashan, the Lord said unto them, Fear him not, I will deliver. Thou shalt do unto him as thou did to the other kings. And then three, so the Lord God delivered. What's that promise? If you give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name? Was this in Jesus' name? All right, very good. You will not lose your reward, young man. I really am. I'm up front. I am the least of these. The least of these, my brethren. And where was I? Oh, in the Bible. So the record is, The Lord said you're going to do this. And then three says, the Lord our God delivered into our hands, Og, uh, also the king of Bashan. Four says we took all the cities. And if you notice it, 60 cities they took. And all the region of that surrounding area of Argob, the kingdom of, of Bashan. And look in five. They were fenced with high walls, gates, bars, beside unwalled towns, a great many. And then look at six. We utterly destroyed them. And then, just as they had done to Sihon, they utterly destroyed the men, the women, the children of every city, and then the cattle and the spoil they took for ourselves. Now, the view that I give you today, and and I'll hand this off to you, the things that you have learned and seen and heard in the Lord in regard to, to the kingdom of God, regard to to the power of God, coming out of chapter 2, they had victory over Sihon. Power of God. All of us as believers at some point have experienced the power of God over the kingdom of Satan. 
And to experience this wonderful truth, the way the Apostle Paul said it in his personal life, he described what it meant for him to be called out of darkness and into light. And as he would preach Christ to the Gentiles, and, and he, would see, he would see people delivered from the hand of Satan, if you will. And you could pick any one of the towns that he went to. You can even pick, uh, you know, you think of, of Ephesus, the, how they worshiped the idols there. And, and the, the gospel had come with such a power that it changed so many lives. And on the personal level, we can, we can see in our lives, the Lord has delivered me from sin. Think of the life you used to live that you no longer live because you've been delivered. Now, furthermore, how about destroying strongholds? And that's exactly what this is. Fear him not, right? He will deliver you from the hand of the enemy, and he will destroy the working of Satan. Now, find a way to Hebrews 2. And I had, I had four or five references down. I, I trimmed down so we can do this study tonight. Now, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Yeah. When we receive communion, and, and we need to get that in place up here in Grand Forks, so um, we'll get that. Hi, Abby. So, Ransel, you and I will talk about that. Welch's grape juice, right? right remember that, that email, right? Welch's grape juice. Great story, right? So what else, what's else? And then we need some sort of cracker, bread, gluten, gluten-free. We don't need corn-free anymore, do we? Any allergens with you guys? No corn? So, all right. Who's your parents, young man? We went to have a talk with them after service. <laughs> all right, get me back on track, Okay. Now, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Why I say about communion? This is why when we take communion, we are saying, we're saying very clearly, Jesus Christ is a full-on partaker in our lives, right? Because he died on the cross. God in flesh became man, died in the flesh, and rose again. And so much to say that he then, through his death and his resurrection, has brought us to share in his life full-on partakers of death to sin and alive to God. Now, that's real power of God. That's real power of God over sin and death. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Now, these words, right, we're... We're hearing the words of the victory of the power of Jesus Christ over the enemy. He has delivered us from the kingdom of Satan, and he has come into this world and died on the cross to destroy the works and power of the devil and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes in bondage. Now, what's the key? Well, as we study this and we're waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ and we, and we serve and live and trust that, that he has brought us into the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ and he has given us a call, right, commission, a charge to go forth and share the gospel. We have believed the gospel and by believing and receiving that gospel, that faith in Jesus Christ, we believe that we are no longer bound by fear of death. We're no longer bound 
by when we die, we go to be with the Lord. And, and you see that deliverance. And the other thing is, Jesus destroys the works of the devil. Now, let's continue into this study back in verse 8. And we'll jump into verse 8 of Deuteronomy 3. And we took at that time out of the hands of the two kings of the Amorites, the land that was on this side of the Jordan, from the river of Arnon unto Mount Hermon. So that's the whole eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, all the way up to Hermon. And, and that whole territory belonged to, formerly, to the kingdoms of the Amorites. Now, as we are applying this tonight, and I, again, we are waiting for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He has come and delivered from the power of Satan, destroyed the power that Satan holds over death, and yet Satan still rules in the world. And you see why it works on this side of the Jordan for the children of Israel before they enter in. I present unto you what we're really waiting for is, and if you can catch this, Jesus will bring the whole world into the place of of completely destroying the kingdom of Satan. When Jesus Christ comes and sets up his kingdom for a thousand years, Satan does not get New York. Satan does not get San Francisco during the millennium. Now, he might have them now. Right? He might have a lot of places in this world. In fact, he's the ruler of this world. But I'm, I'm giving us a view tonight to see how Moses saw God deliver them from the hand of the enemy, if you will, and they actually took out of the enemy's hand the land and the kingdom that God gave to his children Israel. Now, it's recorded for us in 10, all the cities of the plain, and he gave them to Gilead, all the cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan. Now, they took out of the hand of the enemy. Now, why preach the gospel? See, and this to me, when you ever think of the doctrines, like the strict doctrines of five-point Calvinism, it actually turns the gospel upside down. They convince people that you're elect, therefore you must have believed the gospel. Instead of actually preaching the gospel and letting the person respond, believe and receive Jesus Christ, and then the gospel you don't have to turn upside down. Now, that, as I would say that, is here we are in the preaching of the gospel. We're told, Mark chapter 16, preach the gospel to every creature under heaven. No, not the squirrels, right? Not the chipmunks, not, not, not the wild animals. The creatures there is a reference to every human being. Now, as I say that, in this, they took out of the hand of the kingdom of Og. Now, look at 11. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained... Look at that phrase right there, of the remnant of giants. Now, has it ever dawned on you that that's a reference to what was going on before the flood? And we talked a little bit about it last week. But God saw fit to take that kingdom away and give it to the children of God. What is the book of Revelation describing? The end of the kingdom of mankind where Satan rules in the kingdom of man. Now, as I put that two and two together... As a giant, his bed was 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. It's a big dude. I don't know where you get bedding for a bed that big. I think that's, isn't that larger than a California king? It's maybe two California kings. I don't know what it it actually is. Custom? Yeah, there you go. And this land that we possessed at that time from Ar, by the river Arnon, half of Mount Gilead, the cities, therefore I gave unto the Reubenites and the Gadites. The rest of Gilead and Bashan, 
And look at that phrase right there in 13, being the kingdom of Og. Through the gospel preached, Paul witnessed to the whole Gentile world those delivered from Satan and brought into the kingdom of the Son of God's love. Out of darkness, into light. The description of the victory through the power of God to take out of the kingdom of this world and to be brought into Jesus Christ. And that's the record. And he gave that land unto the children of Israel. Jair, verse 14, very, very famous, even in Israel yet today, that name, the son of Manasseh, took all the country of Argob, and and he called him after his own name. Verse 15, I gave Gilead to Machir, and to the Reubenites and the Gadites I gave from Gilead even to the river Arnon half the valley. And 17 says the plain also, Jordan, the whole coast. So everything on the east side, including the Sea of Galilee, that's Chinnereth, that's the Sea of Galilee, and unto the Sea of the Plain, all the way down to the Salt Sea, which is the Dead Sea, that, that's modern-day Jordan. That all was given to Israel. Now, as I say that, now, Satan has a kingdom. This, this is the reality that Satan has a kingdom in this world. In fact, when Jesus was accused of being in the power of Satan, he cast out devils by the power of Beelzebub. What's Jesus' response? His response, if Satan casts out Satan, Satan's kingdom is not going to stand. If, if it's divided against itself, that kingdom will not stand. Now, how is it that one comes out of the kingdom of Satan and comes into the kingdom of God's dear son? Now, my heart's desire is that, that we would have opportunity in our personal lives. We would have opportunity, again, as a church, to be able to share this gospel with power of God to deliver people. Two things. To deliver people from Satan's kingdom, right? And that they would destroy the works of Satan in our cities and and all around us in our lives. Now, when one hears the words of the kingdom, this is the parable, right? The parable of the the sower of the seed on a hard heart. When one hears the, the words of the kingdom and they understand it not, then cometh the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. That's the one that received the seed by the wayside, the hard ground. Now, that's Matthew 13, 19, if you want to know where I'm pulling that reference. Now, what do I have to say with us? Okay, why take the book of Revelation and lay it right there? Because we're living in the days before the book of Revelation is going to be all unfolded before our very eyes. I believe that that it, that when the church is caught away and raptured, that next thing that happens is that first seal being opened up and the Antichrist, Antichrist will be revealed to the world. The restrainer, the Holy Spirit keeping him away. See, we have that record of what is to come and yet we're still here watching and waiting for the Lord's return. The words that Moses shares for the things he can see that is coming parallels where we're at right now. Now, if you look at 18 through 20, and I'm, I'm kind of done skimming the, the places, the, the names of these cities and territories, and look at what God did. And I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God hath given you this land to possess it. 
You shall pass over armed before your brethren, the children of Israel, all that are meat for war, your wives, your little ones, your cattle, for I know that they have, you have much cattle, shall abide in your cities which I have given you, until the Lord has given rest unto your brethren as well as unto you, until they possess all the land which the Lord hath given them beyond the, uh, beyond the Jordan. Then you shall return every man unto his possession which I have given you. Now, concerning the kingdom, right? And this is the parallel to the kingdom of God and, and to what's coming and Jesus giving. Uh, God is going to give Jesus this kingdom when he returns and he is going to establish right, us ruling and reigning with him as kings and priests. Now, as I share that with you, the entrance ministered unto you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, how many ways are there into hell? How many gates? Well, the Bible describes that. Broad is the way. Is that, is that how it goes? Right? Many are on that path that leads to, really, to, to destruction, to, to the kingdom of Satan. Narrow is that way, right? And one gate, which leads to everlasting life. Now, when we see this, and again, if you get the key word in this section is this one word, given. Now, you don't work your way to heaven, right? You don't earn the kingdom of God. As you believe and receive, it is given unto you. God gave them that land. Notice it. He took it out of the hands of the enemy and gave it to his children. Now, if, if you understand that, what is God going to do in this world? He's going to take the kingdoms of this world, out of the hand of the enemy, and he is going to give them unto his children. And this is why the parallel works. Now, church, right? So we, here we're talking Israel. We, we, get, we get the inheritance. We get promises. Do you know that the promise of that territory of land, it will once again be inherited out to all the tribes of Israel? It, it's an eternal thing. And just think of how many people fight against that simple concept that Jesus Christ will come back and give that same promised land unto the same tribes that belong to him. As I say that for the church, it's this. He has, he has given us, if you will, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Isn't that a great understanding? We know the mysteries of the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then furthermore, he gives unto the church the keys of the kingdom. And this is what the gospel is about. As we preach the gospel, as we lead someone to Christ, or we're there to witness as one turns to faith in Jesus Christ, and that entrance is ministered unto them, that's the key that opens up the kingdom of heaven to them. Now, remember what, what uh, Jesus said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? They answered, and then he says, who do you say that I am? And that's where Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus declares, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for this was not revealed to you by men, but this was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. And he goes on to say something wonderful. He says, and, and you are Peter, right? And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then he goes on to say in Matthew 16, 19, and I will give you the I, I will give unto thee the king, keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, thou shalt be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. Now, everybody with me on my parallel here? 
children of Israel on the other side of the Jordan, right, waiting to enter into the promised land, us right now in this world waiting for the return of Jesus Christ to set up his kingdom here on the earth. Now, there's trouble in the world, right? There's going to be trouble. There's going to be battles. There's going to be strongholds. What are we doing right now? Well, what we are to be doing as the church, we are, what are we doing right now? All right, that's for you, Chris. All right, what are you doing right now? Hey, what are we doing right now? We, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, are to deliver people from sin, hell, and death. Right? Well, I always say it wrong. Sin, death, and hell, because hell is after death, right? We're delivering them from that through the preaching of the gospel, but we're not the ones delivering, are we? We preach God is faithful to deliver, to destroy the working of Satan, and to establish them in the kingdom of God. And, and as I share that, uh, here we are, 21 through 22, I just simply tagline at this, prepare for more. If we as a church think we can coast into heaven and everything's going to be okay, if we just say that's it, we don't have to do anything anymore, we won't come in ready, will we? Well, if we don't stay sharp, we'll be dull concerning the things of God. I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done unto these two kings. So shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms whither thou passest. You shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. Now, I talk to a lot of Christians who who attend other churches, and especially when I'm teaching through Revelation or leading up to it, I start to stir people up. Hey, you ever read Revelation? Hey, what do you think about that book? And I talk with people like that, and some say, that's too scary. If you understand 21 and 22, Moses declares to Joshua, this is the words that Joshua needs to hear. You have seen all that your Lord your God has done. And then he tells him, really, to prepare for the things that are yet to come. Describing how the Lord shall do unto all the kingdoms. When you read Revelation and you see the seals open up, you know, seven seals open up. You hear the seven trumpet judgments. You're reading what happens in the world. The seven bowl judgments being poured out. You hear the judgment of the great whore, Mystery Babylon. You, you hear of all these things. These are the things that the Lord shall do unto all the Christ rejectors in this world. And the world will gather together to fight against him. Now, as I say that, Deuteronomy 3, for me, then I take the words that Moses said and I learn from them. So the works that Joshua would do, those works were prepared before him. Now, I, I had fun reading the Bible with my kids before they could read. And what I did is I started out telling them the Bible stories, and we went through the Bible stories, and then, then I'm like, why am I not just reading the Bible to them? So I started reading the Bible to them. But the last thing I wanted to do, right, because we did the four Bs, bathroom, brush, right, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, we're going to read the Bible together, and then it's time for bed. And we had some of the most fun times of all that we did when our family sat together and read the Bible because it was alive to us. And why I say that in this context is that those works that were prepared for Joshua to walk in, and he, he, was, called to, he was called to war, and he was called to deliver and destroy. And I, did, I called him the battle servant of the Lord. And, we, and then we'd make songs up about Joshua. And, and 
kind of like in growling sort of rock style, he became a battle servant of the Lord. And the kids would just laugh all together because those were the works prepared for Joshua. Now listen up. All right, What we have seen the Lord do. You want me to do it? I don't know if I can remember it. Battle servant of the Lord. Something like that. Joshua, the battle servant of the Lord. And the kids would go nuts, you know, because they loved it. And for us, works prepared before. Hey, listen up, church. We're the church of the last days. Okay? We are living in the days right before the Lord comes back. And I want to be a part of his bride that is ready, watching. Think of the parable of the ten virgins. Oil in our lamps and supply. Right? No matter what, no matter how long we wait, let's be ready. And then are we telling others? Are we, are we preparing? Because the Lord's going to come and do all this for the kingdoms. Now, what did Jesus do when he began his ministry? He began preaching the gospel. Repent, believe the gospel. Time is at hand, right? The kingdom of God is near. Repent ye and believe this gospel. What if we just did that? Hey, the second coming of Jesus Christ is near. What, what all these things you ever heard, it's time to repent of your unbelief and believe upon the Son of God. Verse 23, and I besought the Lord at that time. So this is Moses declaring unto them, and he says unto them, his interaction with the Lord. This is one of his, one of his desires. He says, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. Now, I did it this morning. I'll do it again tonight. Just push pause there. The King James translators put a colon in there and Moses has just begun to see God's goodness and greatness and mighty hand. Um, that Moses saw things. Moses was there for amazing things. I don't know your viewpoint of <coughs> being the one who would see this wall of water on either side of you as the children of Israel walking through the Dead Sea. He saw the mighty hand of God. He saw the power of God. I mean, the, the, the staff in his hand, he's told to put it down and it becomes a serpent. And then he reaches out his hand and picks it up again and it's a staff again. I mean, but notice the perspective. Here we are, as believers, having heard the words of the things that God has done. And yet from this perspective, we haven't seen anything yet. Concerning, what, concerning the works of God that are to be done in the time of his second coming, what's going to happen in this world. But we still haven't seen anything yet. Because what's coming after that is the, the millennial reign of Christ. And, uh, you know, things like, well, I'll use Moses' words. Thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might. You do realize Jesus Christ brings an end to all defense spending of all the nations of the world. No more war. He brings an end unto, there will be no more starvation. There will be, again, whatever crime is committed will be judged in justice and righteousness, and the nations will appear before him, and he'll rule this whole world. Now, this beginning to show us things to come. Moses' prayer, 25, I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that's beyond the Jordan that goodly mountain in Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, Let it suffice thee, speak no more of this matter. 
Get thee up to the top of Pisgah and lift up thine eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and behold it with thine eyes for thou shalt knock over this Jordan. Now, in putting this study together, here's where I came to this understanding of how it parallels with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Moses is given the revelation of, of, of look, with his eyes, he gets to see into the future with the promised land. Now, he desires to go in, does not get to go in, but in, in doing so, think of what we've been given. Here we have at the end of the Bible, the equivalent of going to the top of Pisgah and getting to see the view, really from a mountaintop view, what's going to happen in the world to come. Now, John's writing it. John gets the vision. God, John gets that from the angel. John himself does not get to enter into that. Think of all this time that has passed <coughs> concerning the revelation of Jesus Christ. We have been shown the things which must shortly come to pass. Now, we know, and we know in the book of Joshua, Joshua is going to go into that land and those battles are going to be won. The, the victory over the enemy is going to be accomplished. The, the establishment of the kingdom that belongs to the children of the Most High, established. Book of Revelation, these things are coming. Now, as we wrap up with this, 28 and 29, I remind you, the days determine the work. Now, of everything in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 3, to me, the instruction and application comes to us through the words <clears throat> that Moses shares with Joshua. Now, Joshua, battle servant of the Lord. If you want to borrow that and, and make him the battle servant of the Lord and have fun with that, go ahead. That was his work, right? Battle servant of the Lord. I, I don't think that's what the church is called unto. I don't think we're called to, to that type of battle. We, we're called to a spiritual battle. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? We are to pull down strongholds, but it's all spiritual. We're not called to wield our sword against Islam, even though Islam would do what? Wield the sword. But we're not called to do that. Now, we may, as a nation, have to fight as a nation to establish protection and do those things. But as far as a Christian violent movement in the world, uh-uh. How about this, a, a Christian peaceful movement in the world to preach Christ? Now, it doesn't mean that as a country you don't fight for your country. I'm all for that. <clears throat> but the days that determine the work, how about a church that's alive, full of the Holy Spirit, right, ready to preach Christ, ready to take out of the enemy's hand? You like that church? Ready to deliver other people out of the enemy's hand, ready to see Jesus fulfill that wonderful truth, destroy the works of the devil. One by one or a hundred by a hundred or maybe some of those weekends when someone goes and preaches the gospel and they're still doing it. There are those still traveling and, and making these, these they're, they're preaching the gospel and there are thousands coming to Christ. It is still going on. Now as I share that, let's take the words given to Joshua and put them into practice. But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. For he shall go over before the people. He shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. So we abode in the valley against Beth Peor. Now, unto us. right? I'm just going to take the words. This, 
This is Deborim, right? This is the book of Deuteronomy. The words that are given. Charge Joshua. Now, charge, in a, in, and again, in the Hebrew word is equivalent to command. So this is the commands. This is the charge. What is our charge? Well, I've already told you tonight, our charge is the Great Commission, right? Our charge is to preach Christ. Our charge is to go into all the world and make the disciples of every nation, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that Jesus Christ has commanded. I knew I needed that duct tape. I'm kidding, Tally. Have fun. All right. Our charge, preach Christ. Mark 16, right? Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel unto every creature. Luke records the final words of Jesus, right? To go and preach Christ crucified. What are we really doing? Our charge, even now, even if trouble comes into the world, and now I'll just kind of put a little jab into your ribs. Even in trouble, the very trouble that you experience as a Christian might be the open door to share the gospel with someone you would not be talking to. Right? Through trouble and their difficulty with your righteous stand in Christ opens the door for you to preach Christ unto somebody who would normally not listen. Now, my encouragement to you, continue, right? That charge hasn't changed. That commission, right? And this is the days determine our work. Our work is to take this gospel into the world and preach Christ. Now, what do we need? Well, the apostles were told to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We need that. But we're studying Deborim. What are the words that Moses says to Joshua? Because God tells him to. It says, encourage him and strengthen him. The Hebrew word for encourage is, is chazak, which means to grow strong. Now, if you had the perception of Joshua that he was just there, you know, somehow God found this guy who had it all put together and he went forth and did the work. Hey, even examine the Apostle Paul who... It, if we take an honest examination of Scripture, has there been anybody used more of by the Lord in the world other than the Apostle Paul compared to Jesus Christ? You're like, that guy went everywhere. Now, as I say that, encourage him to grow strong, and then this word, to fasten upon, to make firm, to hold fast. Now, concerning the gospel. See, this is part of the regular equipping of the church. Our charge is to go preach Christ. Have, have you ever heard it say, you preach Christ until things get difficult? Or you preach Christ where people are nice to you? I'm trying to get a nasally voice, sorry, I probably didn't do very well. We preach Christ in every circumstance. every se- what, what did Paul say to Timothy? In season? Out season. See, these are things we've heard. Now, we as believers are facing... Persecution in one way, shape, or form as another when we simply stand up and say we are not conformed to everything that's going on in this world. So the next word, strengthen, is the Hebrew word amats. And it means to be stout, alert, and bold. Now, 
fun for me because I looked these up. I think it's nine times, if I have it right, that Moses tells Joshua, be strong, be courageous, right? He, he repeats this and, and the repetition. And sometimes the Hebrew word Kazakh, which here is encouraged, is actually translated into English, strengthened. And the Hebrew word Amats, which is here strengthened, is actually courageous in other spots. These two are so closely related to what has to happen. And I, I'm going to listen to these words tonight because we, the church, need this. Not just us here as a local body, but if we take these words and we do the same thing, we need to be strengthened. Stout, alert, and bold. If it's used in the physical sense, it means physically on your feet. That's, that's the word here that is strengthened. Joshua, you need to be on your toes. We use that saying, don't we? Get on your toes. Now, mentally, it means with courage. So we mentally prepare with courage to share the gospel. Are you ready? Are you ready for trial, difficulty? Are you ready for persecution? Are you ready when you stand up? And this is the whole thing. In the days coming forth of the trouble that Jesus said would be in the world, those days are here, and yet we're really looking for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We preach the gospel of the kingdom. And my word to you tonight is just simply put, our charge, right? I charge you to continue in the faith of Jesus Christ and to preach Christ crucified to this lost and dying world. Be strong, right? Grow strong, okay? Be bold, right? Be encouraged, right? Let that take firm hold of your life and live for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the words that I have to share with you tonight. So may the Lord bless you. May he cause this word in your heart to stir you up. May you receive the words of the Bible concerning our charge. And may you not fear the enemy, right? Fear him not. But may you be strengthened and encouraged in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you tell one more person, the rest of your life, one more person gets saved because you share the gospel. But some of you youngins can share that gospel with many more people, much more opportunity to go out. And as I would encourage you, to be courageous. This is something worth living for. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for our time in the Word of God. We thank you for the book of Revelation. Just as you showed Moses the promised land and all these things that would come for the people of God, you have shown us revelation, all the things that are to come. Lord, stir us up from now to live for you and to live for your gospel. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So may the Lord watch over you this week. May you take to heart just a simple phrase, grow strong. You don't have to be strong already, do you? Grow strong. And as you grow strong, you might be afraid many times to tell people, I should have said something, I should have said something. But then there's going to come a time when you say what? I grew strong, I have something to say. Hey, I wanted to share this with you last week and I didn't say it, but I, I want to say it with you this week. And talk to them about Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, you're at liberty, you are free. Uh, make sure that you get to the to the snack table before Chris.